Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. It's a good day. It is a great day. I can't think of a better a better way to spend a Sunday. There's a lot of places you could be right now, but being with God's people and, and gathering to celebrate Jesus is the probably the best thing you could be doing with your life right now. I can't think of anything else. It's going to be a great day. I, I believe what, what we're going to what we're about to talk about is going to help shape the rest of the year. I truly believe. What God's about to lay on our hearts and what God's about to reveal through his word is going to help shape the course of how we speak into life, how we speak into others' life, how we speak into our own life. I truly believe that. Today, we're going to talk about small talk. And uh, you guys might think that's, that's weird. That's okay. I'm weird. Um, but last, last week, we talked about Caleb. We're, we're still in our series called Joshua. And... Um, Last week we talked about Caleb and, and how, how he, uh, he was this man of faith. And you might say what Caleb did last week for us, he, he kind of gave us a gift. If you want to throw that slide up, it's our points from last week. And I want to, I, wanna, uh, I don't know if any of you guys who take notes, um, is the first slide right after scriptures. If you took notes, you might have noticed this, you might not have noticed it, but Caleb gave us a gift last week. God's promises don't expire. I'm kept for God's purpose. Fight until it's finished and trust God with your if. There's your gift. And Caleb's not done giving us gifts this week. There's not a cool little acronym, though. Um, So just FYI, like if you're taking notes and trying to decipher little codes, there's not going to be one this week. Um, But... Caleb, last week, we talked about trusting God with your if. He said, if God is for me, then I will be able to march into the land and take this land. And he wasn't just marching into any land. He was marching into the hill country of Judah where the giants lived. They lived in fortified towns, but he trusted God with his if. And it wasn't that he was asking for anything exorbitant or anything like that. He said, Joshua, give me the land that God promised me. And Joshua said, okay. And he said, I'm just as strong now as I was then. Like he waited 45 years to walk into his promise. He was 85 years old when he trusted God with this if. He had to go in and fight. But the crazy thing about all of it, the amazing thing about all of it, is he knew that God was with him. He knew that if I step out in faith, God's going to move. He knew that what he was asking for came in line with what God was already doing. Let's think about what God was already doing. God was already liberating. He was already liberating the nation for the Israelites, the land. He was, he was kicking out. He was annihilating um, people to give the land to the Israelites. So when Caleb asked, give me this land, please, when Caleb asked that, he was falling in line with what God was already doing. 
So he trusted God with his if. He said, if God is for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So we're going to jump right in to Joshua chapter 15. I'm going to look at two different chapters today. I'm going to compare and contrast because there's two different ideas going on here. You can see, you can see the results of small talk, and I'm going to define that here in a moment. And you can see the results of God talk, and I'm going to define that in a moment. But this is Caleb actually stepping into what God is doing. And it's in Joshua 15, 13 through 19. It said, The Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So Caleb was given the town of Corinth Arba, that is Hebron, which had been named after the Anak's ancestors. Caleb drove out the three groups of Anakites, the descendants of Shashia, Ahimanan, I mispronounced that, and Telame. So the one thing you got to say about biblical, I say this all the time, say them loud and say them proud and no one knows the difference. The, the sons of Anak. From there, he went to fight against the people living in the town of Deber, formerly called Kareth Sefer. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa. So if you guys, um, if, you, if you have grandchildren that are about to have um, a, a daughter or you're like, here's a name that you can, you can recommend, Aksa. Um, in marriage to one who attacks and captures Kareth Sefer. And here's another name for a son, Othniel, Othniel, the son of Caleb's brother, Kinnaz, was one who conquered it. So Aksa became Othniel's wife. When Aksa married Othniel, so I, I want to point out that this is thousands of years ago, and these people are not from eastern Tennessee, I'm telling you. Um, even though I'm, I'm just saying, if you're from Eastern Tennessee, it's, it's just a joke. It's okay. Um, I was going to say Arkansas, but I give them enough trouble. Um, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she got down off her donkey. Caleb asked her, what's the matter? She said, give me another gift. You have already given me land in Negev. Now please give me, give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. I, I, I love this because I think it gives a clear idea of our relationship um, child to father. And we have a heavenly father that loves to bless his children. But so often we ask the wrong question. She just came out and asked. I, I love the boldness of this. Now we're going to compare and contrast Joshua 17, 12 through 18. But the descendants of Manasseh, who were unable to occupy these towns because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. So Manasseh is a descendant of Joseph. Joseph had two sons, and they became tribes of Israel. And so they got given land, but the Canaanites would not move out. But if you noticed everywhere else in Joshua leading up to this point, how the Israelites got the Canaanites to move out 
Well, they kicked him out. So there's something going on here that, that was keeping them from occupying the land they were given. Later, however, when the Israelites became strong enough, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves. So we see here another contradiction between what God said to do and what they actually did. Instead of kicking them out, which God, God straight up says in Joshua chapter 13, he says, the work's not over. There's still people in the land that I need to move out. And he straight tells the Israelites, he said, if you go and occupy the land, I will drive them out before you. God said he would do it. Like they don't even have to do anything but occupy what God's giving them. They, don't, they just have to receive the blessing. But instead of forcing the Canaanites out, they forced them to work as slaves. But they did not drive them out of the land. The descendants of Joseph came to Joshua. This is Manasseh, uh, the, the tribe of Manasseh, the, a.k.a. the same thing. Why have you given us only one portion of land as our homeland when the Lord has blessed us with so many people? They asked the wrong question. Joshua replied, if there's so many of you and if the hill country of Ephraim is not large enough for you, clear out the land yourselves in the forest where the Perizzites and the and Rephates live. The descendants of jo Joseph responded, it's true the hill country is not large enough for us, but all the Canaanites in the lowlands have iron chariots. Everyone go, ooh, iron chariots. Both those in Bethshan and its surrounding settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel, they are too strong for us. I, I bet Joshua's tr like trying to rack his brain like, what did I just hear? Like, like the, what? They're too strong for you? Then Joshua said to the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, which are the tribes from Joseph, the descendants of Joseph, since you are so large and strong, you will be given more than one portion. The forest of the hill country will be yours as well. Clear as much of the land as you wish and take possession of its farthest corners. And you will drive out the Canaanites from the valley too, even though they are strong and have iron chariots. Ooh. So today, I want to I wanna reframe what we think of small talk. Because there's a lot of small talk going on in Joshua chapter 17. And so normally when we think of small talk, which is the first thought I want to leave you with, small talk, we, we typically think of like conversations we have in line at the, at the grocery store. We're waiting in line and with our cart and we just have a small talk. So by definition, small talk is defined as polite conversation about unimportant or uncontroversial matters, especially as engaged in social occasions. Small talk. So I want us to reframe and redefine that for a moment in the context of Joshua 17, because what we see here is we see small talk taking place with Joshua between the, the descendants of Joseph and Joshua. The tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, a.k.a. the tribes from Joseph, are guilty of small talk with Joshua and God. Small talk here is best understood as any talk that puts God and his ability to show up 
and do the impossible in a box. So small talk, how I'm defining it for the rest of our conversation today is any talk that puts God and his ability to show up and do the impossible in a box. When we put God in a box, we limit ourselves and our thinking, and then our world starts shrinking. When we, when we put God in our box, in, in, in our box, in a box, whatever box you want to put God in, we limit his ability to show up and do the impossible. But not only that, we limit our ability to think of him as God the way he deserves. We go from praying stuff like, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know that nothing is impossible for you. I know that you're going to show up. I know that you're more than enough to saying stuff, oh man, we're not going to make it. Oh, I don't know how we're going to, we can't do it. I, 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 don't, I don't know how, how we're going to grow. I don't, we're unable to. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not possible. We start dealing in absolutes with small talk. And we see this all over this text. They come to Joshua and say, why did you only give us one portion of land? What? Whoa. If I was Joshua, I would have been like, back up, please. I've had those conversations with students. They walk up to me and they're like, why'd you do this? I'm like, number one, you need to be quiet right now. Let's start this conversation over. They, they ask the wrong question. We see this compare and contrast between Caleb's daughter and, and, and she walks up to her daddy who's fought the battle for her, who, who liberated the land that he gave her. And he said, she goes, daddy, probably batted her eyes a little bit, kind of like Sky does to me, and I melt. And she goes, hey, I know that you've given me this, but can I have something else, please? And he's like, yes, here, what kind, what color, you know, how many? And um, that, that's, that's, what, that's what's happening with Caleb's daughter, and Caleb, she straight up says, I know you've already blessed me, but can I have another blessing? And the answer is yes, you can. Our father, we have a heavenly father that loves to bless his children. And he doesn't care if you ask for another blessing. He doesn't mind blessing his children. But when we, when we limit our minds, when we, when we don't do what God wants us to do, we see right off the get-go in Joshua 17, these tribes from Joseph the, 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 the tribes of Manasseh and the other tribe, Refrain, they, they limit it and, and, and they partially obeyed. It says when they got strong enough, they forced them, the Canaanites, to serve as slaves and then they taxed them. That seems like a good idea at first because number one, they got free labor and then number two, they got money. But partial obedience to God is not obedience at all. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. It's, it's all. It's an all-in relationship. I'm not partially married to my wife. I am 100% her husband. I'm, she doesn't have part of my heart. She has all of my heart. And so that's what God wants. Partial obedience to him is not obedience at all. And they're partially obeying. They're partially occupying the land. But really, partial occupying the land for them is making, making provisions 
where the Canaanites to still live there. They're allowing the Canaanites to stay in the land. That means they have to allow them to set up towns. They have to allow them to set up homes. They have to allow the enemy to set up residence. And small talk, the, the partial obedience leads to small talk. Suddenly, they start thinking, oh, we can't, or God can't. How is this possible? You, you see the contradiction just in the conversation between Joshua and these tribes. Joshua, like, well, if the, if the land's not enough, clear the forest. And then they give excuses why they can't. Well, they have iron chariots. They're too strong for us. Suddenly, suddenly, there's small talk led to small thinking. It led to, it led to bad self-talk. Whenever we put God in a box and we, we don't allow our faith to grow, we don't allow, we, we, like we, we start saying things that, that we, oh, I, how, how can this happen? How can God do that? Or that's really what they're saying And all this time, these tribes have been driving out kings, have been taking over Jericho. I mean, like, they've been driving out people from the land. And yet, suddenly, God's not big enough? Suddenly, they're not strong enough? Small talk limits what God's able to do in your circumstance. Small talk limits, and it leads to bad self-talk. Self-talk sounds a lot like, man, I'm, I'm not good enough. Oh, man, they're stronger than me. Oh, they're better than me. You see it all over this. Oh, they're stronger than us, and they have iron chariots. Joshua's like, no? Like, what about all these other armies we defeated? We literally just defeated five Amorite kings, and God sent hailstones from heaven to defeat them for us. How can we forget about what God is doing? But small talk just makes it out of our head. God talk, however, says something like this. God, you are greater than this circumstance. And you will see me through it. Because you are my loving father who takes care of your children. You see the difference here in Joshua Caleb walks into this region and he kicks out three fortified, he takes over three fortified cities, all with giant, like the enemy were giants, and he just does it. He says, if God is for me, I can't lose. I'm going for it. He has this amazing understanding of who his God is. And not only does proper understanding of, uh, and God talk give us this understanding of who our God is, but it also helps us understand how our God sees us. Because Caleb understood this. He understood that God loves him, and he understood that God wants what's best for him. Small talk disregards that. Small talk, we we see, it, it, it ignores the fact that God cares for us, and it handicaps our purpose. The tribes that were descendants from Joseph 
had a purpose at this moment in time in their history. And it was to drive out the Canaanites from the land. And because they had small thinking, small talk, they, they could not get with this idea that God is for them and God is with them. It limited their purpose. It kept them from walking in everything God had for them. And man, I pray every day that this church does not violate or do this very thing. I don't ever want us to, I don't want to hear small talk concerning what God can do through his church. Because when I pray, I pray that God gives us a city. I pray that the Lord anoints us, that he empowers us through his spirit. When I walk downtown, this is what I'm praying when I'm not praying for other people. Lord, give us a city. Lord, I pray your anointing and your power of your Holy Spirit to give us boldness to evangelize our neighbors, our family. Because God is greater than, 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 than what the society says about where we're at in our, in, in our relationship with God. They would say we're post-Christian or post-modern, but I can tell you that if revival's gonna come, it's gonna come out of people who seek God. And small talk is gonna keep us from seeking God. What small talk does in our society today, it gets us looking at the news and leaning back. Oh, our society's going to hell in a handbasket and all that. That's small talk. Man, when, when I see news articles and stuff like that, I mean, man, this world needs Jesus. And we're the agents to give this world Jesus. And the, the, the world's not going to get Jesus apart from the church. So we have to, we have to disregard small talk. How can God use me? Well, have you asked him? I bet if we ask God, God, how can you use me? He's like, well, you could greet at the church. Um, you, can, you can pray for your cashier. You could buy that person behind you groceries. You, I mean, like, the list goes on and on. You can reach out to your neighbor, invite them over for dinner. You can, I mean, like, like should I keep going? Um, you can take the pastors out for dinner. I'm, uh, sorry. Uh, um, I had to throw something in there. But I'm just, I didn't just say us. I mean, there's other people on staff. So, but small talk, though, it, it, it suddenly, it just, it, it, it stifles our purpose. And it gets us to focus on the wrong thing. These tribes, they forgot what God's done for them. They forgot who their God is. They forgot the, po- the proper context of their relationship with him. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Don't get me wrong. So we should have a proper respect and fear of who God is. But we also have to understand that he's our loving father and he wants to give us good things. And God talk says, I know. God talk does not ignore the problem. Okay. It does not ignore the issue. It looks at the issue square in the face and says, my God's bigger, so you must submit to my God. I, I don't know, I, I, I don't care if it's a diagnosis from the doctor. I don't care if it's a financial need. I don't care what your need is. God talk looks at that need and says, my God is bigger than this circumstance. Small talk says we're not going to make it. Small talk leads to a small mindset. It leads to not being able to reason. It leads to not understanding. It leads to 
your world shrinking? We see that. Let's look. Small talk leads to small thinking, which leads to, to wrong thinking. They walk up to Joseph and they say, why have you given us only one portion of land as our homeland when the Lord has blessed us with so many? It almost seems like they're grateful for the blessing, but yet they're ungrateful for the blessing because the portion of land that they received was a blessing, but yet their descendants are a blessing. You can't be grateful to God and ungrateful to God in the same breath. They ask the wrong question. It leads to wrong thinking. Then you compare it to what Caleb's daughter in this proper and good understanding of our relationship with God that's modeled here. She says, give me another gift. He goes, what's the matter? I love it because the father asks the question. What's the matter? And that's how God looks at you. When, you see, when he sees you going through stuff, he's, what's the matter? Tell me. Come to me. When, when, I, when I see Amy going through something or Sky going through something, I know what's, what, what something's up. And, and the other day, I walked into Sky's room, and she was just kind of, <laughs> and I said, Sky bug. I picked her up, and then she probably pushed me away because um, she's honoring. I go, Sky bug, what's the matter? She goes, <laughs> I miss my friend Warren, which is our pastor's daughter um, in in Sedalia. And I said, that's okay. You're going to go see her eventually again, someday, one day. And um, I just hugged her. Because as a father, I care about what's bothering my children. And Caleb here cares about what's bothering his daughter. He can see, and you better believe that our Father in heaven can see. He knows your heart. He knows the intentions of your heart. So you might as well be honest with him. Sometimes we, we, when we come to God, we pray for what we think God wants to hear. We'll pray something to the effect of, oh, Lord, I pray right now that you'll bless the missionaries in Africa. Really? Is that really what you want to pray about to God is that really, oh God, I pray that you'll just, you'll, you'll, you'll just open the floodgates of heaven and just bless all the poor in our city. Really? Is that really what's on your heart that you really want to bring? It's almost like you have to get the, the pleasantries out of the way to really get to the nitty gritty. And by the time you get to the nitty gritty, you're, you're barely giving God any time of day where God's like, what's the matter? No, 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 no. What's the matter? What's, what's really on your heart? If you just cut to the chase and just say, God, this is what's bothering me. I love the fact that Caleb's daughter cuts to the chase. She goes, you have already given me the land she said, give me another gift. She, she puts it right out there, and it gives us a proper understanding of, of where we're at with God. Cut to the chase. Let, let, let your God talk. Overrule small talk. Cut to the chase with God. You don't have to find common ground with God when you approach him. God's your father. He loves you. Just get to him. Because he wants to know what's the matter. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But what we give him when we come to him is stuff that really is what we think he wants to hear. We give him the Sunday school prayer list. But God say, no, 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 no. That's small talk in your prayers. What's the matter? 
What's the matter? Small talk leads to small thinking, which leads to an improper understanding of who God is. Suddenly, we don't look at him as a loving father. Suddenly, we look at him as more of a cruel ruler that's ready to punish us and that he might bless us if we do everything right, if we say everything right. That's not the God we serve. Caleb's daughter asked for a blessing because she knew who her daddy was. And she had a relationship with her daddy because she didn't have bad self-talk. Small talk leads to bad self-talk. Self-talk will glorify your circumstance. Self-talk will, will glorify your enemy all the while diminishing our God and his ability to move in your life. That's what bad self-talk will do. We see it right here in Joshua 17. They're stronger than us. They have iron chariots. What do you have, tribes of Joseph? You have God for you and with you. So you're telling me stuff made of man can defeat a God who split a sea who fell the walls of Jericho, who's kicked out um, over, let's see, 31 kings. Bad, small talk leads to bad self-talk. You diminish your own purpose. The Bible says this in Proverbs 23.7, For as... A man thinks in his heart, so he is. How do you view you? Don't give me the Sunday school. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you are. But how, like, what, how, 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 if you were alone right now, how would you view yourself? When you're alone, how do you think about yourself? Because this is, I would imagine that some of us have some bad self-talk going on. Maybe not all the time, but this is what we got to redefine in the context of who God says we are. Self-talk ignores what God has done in your life and it diminishes your purpose. I'm going to read a scripture it's out of, I believe, Joshua chapter 12. It's verses 7 through 24. This is what self-talk did for the, the Israelites, these tribes of Manasseh and um, the descendants of Joseph. It starts off, The following is a list of the kings that Joshua and the Israelite armies defeated west of the Jordan. So self-talk made them forget this. And suddenly, their enemy is too strong for them. I, I just want you to get context of why this is so important. Because this is not like, like a, two or three generations before them. This is like maybe six months before they're occupying their land. It's a short amount of time. And so the following is a list of kings that Joshua and the Israelite armies defeated on the west side of the Jordan River from Balgad in the valley of Lebanon, 
to Mount Hylok, which leads up to Seir. Joshua gave this land to the tribes of Israel as their possession, including the hill country, the western foothills, the Jordan Valley, the mountain slopes, the Judean wilderness, and the Negev. The people who lived in this region were Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Cellulites, just joking, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These are the kings Israel defeated. The king of Jericho, the king of Ai, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Gezer, the king of Deber, the king of um, Geber, the king of Hormah, the king of Arad, the king of Lebna, the king of Adullam, the king of Mechida, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapua, the king of Hefer, the king of Aphek, the king of Lashon, the king of Madon, the king of Hazer, the king of Shimron Maron, the king of Akshaf, the king of Tanakh, the king of Megiddo, the king of Kadesh, the king of Jachneum in Carmel, the king of Dor, and the king of Goem in Gigal, the king of Tiraz, and all. 31 kings were defeated. That's just west of the Jordan River. There were more kings that did defeat it east of the Jordan River. But when you have bad self-talk, suddenly we see a shift just in a, a matter of a couple chapters in your Bible. You, like, how can we take them on? They have iron chariots. How can we kick them out? They're stronger than us. Self-talk and small talk robs you of your purpose, your identity, and your value. They devalued themselves and, and, and gave value to their enemy. Don't give credit to your enemy. We serve a bigger God. But God talk. We've been hitting on this all throughout this, this time together. And if you're guilty of small talk and you're guilty of, of, of bad self-talk, well, there's hope because we're all guilty of it. We all face circumstances. We all face things that we just have to realign our hearts to God. We have to say, okay, God, I got to look back at you. So God talk. What does God talk say about you and your situation? Caleb remembers who God is, what he has done, and whose he is. Caleb remembered that he is God's. He is, he's placed here for purpose on purpose. So Caleb allowed God talk to overcome the attack that was in front of him. He was taking on arguably the hardest enemy, fortified cities of giants that were stronger, taller, and arguably better looking. We don't know that for sure. But you know, have you ever seen a bad um, painting of Goliath? He's usually attractive. You know, I'm just saying. Um, Caleb took him on because he had proper understanding of God, and he spoke it. God talk speaks to things. It doesn't speak down about yourself. It, it, it speaks to your enemy, and it says, no, you will be defeated. God talk realigns your heart and minds to God. A great form of God talk is what we just did. It's worship. It's worship. Worship realigns our hearts and our minds to who God is and what he's done. 
God talks, allows you to ask God confidently because you understand that he is your father. We see that right here at the end, Caleb tries to realign these tribes and he speaks to something and, he's, and, and, and we, you see a contradiction. Just go read it in Joshua 17. Between their bad self-talk and their small talk to what Caleb says. He says, since you are so large and strong, which is a compliment to the blessing that they listed from God. He said, God has blessed us with so many. He's recognizing where God has blessed them. You will be given more than one portion of land. So once again, God wants to bless his children. The forest of the hill country will be yours as well. Clear as much of the land as you wish. He didn't put a limit on it. And take possession of, the, of its farthest corners. And you will drive. This is God talk right here. You will drive out the Canaanites from the valleys too. Even though they are strong and have iron chariots. They said they're too strong for us. They said they're stronger than us and they have iron chariots. Caleb said they are strong, but they're not stronger than you because God is with you. God talk realigns your purpose, realigns your heart, realigns us to who God is and realigns us to what God placed us here for. And, and, and what does that look like today? What does that look like today? Small talk says, I just want to go to a small church. I just want to have a church of about this size. And I just want to develop community. I just want to, like, I love this idea, celebrating Jesus, developing community, share our story, and, and, and making a difference. I love that. But I just don't want it to get too big. I don't want it to get too crowded. I want it to be on my terms. That's not God talk. Because God wants to grow his church. God wants these seats filled with people. And no, I pray that they're filled with people that are far from Jesus. And they come here and they meet the power of God, the love of God, and they're transformed. Paul says in Romans, it's God's loving kindness that draws us to repentance. If you really think about this, loving kindness that draws, that means he pulls us to a different direction. He's pulling us in a direction. His love and his kindness is the lasso that pulls us to a new direction following Christ. Small talk says, well, I just want to come and sit in my pew, serve Jesus quietly and do all that stuff, that's robbing you of your own purpose. We're not called to sit on a pew or a chair or whatever you want to call these. We're called to make disciples. We're called to reach the lost. We're called, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. God wants to grow his church more than any pastor wants to see the church grow, more than any parishioner wants to see the church grow. God wants to grow his church. 
And we must be like Caleb and get on board with what God already wants to do. The reason why Caleb had success is because he stepped in line with what God was already wanting to do. God wanted to clear the land. And so Caleb gave him his if confidently. He said, if God is for me, I can do this. And then we read today that he did it. And not only that, Caleb's God talk rubbed off on his nephew, and his nephew took and took over a town because he saw what Caleb did when he trusted God. But then we see the contrast of bad self-talk and small talk. We can't, we, in this season, in 2020, moving forward, C1 Church cannot afford to have small talk. We cannot afford to have talk. Well, this is how we've always done it. This is, what, this is what we've done. This is how we do it. We can't afford that because it's going to stifle what God wants to do moving forward. We can't afford to have small talk just because we've always done it. Praise God, we've done it this way before. But guess what? God's constantly wanting to do new things. Let's get in line with what he's wanting to do. I'm not saying we're going to like change and everything and all, all, all that stuff. But what I am saying is we got to be willing to step in and step up when God says, let's do this. Not going, oh, man, I don't know about this. I don't know how this is going to work. That's, that's what small talk looks like in the church today. Instead of saying, oh, I don't know how it's going to work, but I know that God is with us. I'm going to give God my if. If God's with us, and man, it's going to God's going to bless it. God's going to move in it. God's going to show up. People are going to get saved. People are going to get transformed. People are going to be um, transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. People are going to get made into disciples, and they're going to turn around and make disciples. Man, this is what God talk sounds like. I don't know, but I trust God. I don't know, but man, I'm going to give God my if. I don't know, but man, God is more than enough. I don't know. So as we move forward, as we move forward this year, I want to challenge us. When you start hearing, I'm not saying you go out of your way like, hey, that's small talk. I'm, I'm the small talk police. No, I'm not saying that. But I would challenge us to start thinking like we're already full. I would, start, I would challenge us to start thinking forward. I would challenge us to start thinking, okay, God, how can you use me? I don't have a lot to give, but here's the cool thing. God doesn't need you to give a lot. He just needs you to offer what you have in your hands. You might not, I, I can't play an instrument to save my life. I, if, if, you, if you literally ask me to sing on key, I just can't. I just, it's not going to happen. That's not my talent, but what I do have, I'm going to give. With open hands, moving forward, that's what we have to do. Say, God, I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give you what I have. And then God's going to bless that, and he's going to use you. But don't say, oh, I don't have a lot, so I can't give. Or a lot of times what happens in churches is say, well, because I'm not talented like that person or that person, I, I can't be used. Well, God didn't ask you to give what's in their hands he asked you to give what's in your hands. And God's blessed you and he's gifted you for this season. And the fact that you're here, God wants to use you here in this church. 
He wants to grow his kingdom through this church. He wants to grow his kingdom through destiny. He wants to grow his kingdom through First Baptist. He wants to grow his kingdom through the bridge. He wants to grow his kingdom through every church that lifts his son up. It's not about C1, but we got to do our part as C1 to grow the kingdom of God. And we got to stifle small talk. So, man, I challenge you, if you start hearing this, man, Pastor Ryan's going off the deep end and stuff like that. I don't really care if they say that, but, it's, you know, he might be going off the deep end, but, man, let's, let's see what God's going to do through him. Redirect it to God talk. Let's speak out in faith. Let's speak out and, and see what God's going to do with just declaring his kingdom growing and, and stepping out from where we're at. Caleb stepped into a situation that for, for the tribes of Joseph would have been like, no, we can't do it. They're giants. Caleb said, if God's for me, I can do it. And he, he was able to bless his descendants because he stepped into what God had for him. These tribes of Joseph, they got robbed of their blessing and it was taken away from them because they never truly jumped in and did what God told them to do, which was clear the land. Small talk stifles your purpose. Leads to small thinking. It leads to your world shrinking. It leads to putting God in a box. But man, faith-filled God talk realigns everything. So what we're going to do today, I'm going to be up here. Nathan's going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. We're going to pray. But I, I think some of us here today are guilty of this small talk. And we need to straight up ask for forgiveness of it. We need to say, God, forgive me of putting you in a box. Forgive me and not allowing my faith to explode. Man, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, we read it. My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above anything we ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Um, we read it last week. We got to let our faith explode when we understand how big our God is and how much he wants to use his church. Let's say things that are, let's declare things, let's pray for things that, that might scare us. If we can make it happen, it's not faith. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for 200 this year. I pray that we go to multiple services this year. Let's declare things that don't seem possible now. That's what faith is, is trusting God to do the impossible. Lord, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I pray that you're going to get out of debt the people that are in debt this year. Lord, there are people that are struggling with cancer. I rebuke in the name of Jesus and I release healing. Because our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above anything we ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. That's the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. So I challenge us to have God talk, realign our thinking, 
to what God wants to do moving forward this year. This is gonna be a great year. 2020 is gonna be a year like um, first assemble your C1 churches have ever seen. It's gonna be something completely different. And it's gonna be good. And it's gonna be amazing. But we gotta go forward together. We gotta go after God together. We gotta embrace this together to see God's kingdom come and his will be done together. God wants people transformed. God wants us to be the church, not just go to church. God wants us to be more than just pew warmers. God has a purpose and a plan for us. So it's time that we step into it. So if you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ bled and he died for you. And, and he took your place on a cross so that you don't have to face death for eternity. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And all it, all it takes is, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. It says The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you are saved. If you're here today and you've never made that confession, we're going to be up here. We want to introduce you to Jesus. If you're here today and you say, I've been guilty of small talk and bad self-talk. I've been talking bad about myself and I need to realign how God sees me. Man, the altars are open. We want to pray with you as well. But what I don't want to happen as we stand, let's, let's stand. What I don't want to happen is us listening to that, that, that self-talk voice saying, shouldn't go up. Well, everyone already thinks you have your act together. Or, well, what will these people think? The reality is it doesn't matter what other people think because we'll stand before God one day and we'll have to answer to him. But if you come forward, what I can, I can guarantee you what everyone else is thinking in the room is we're happy, we're joyful that you're obeying the Holy Spirit. That's what we think as we, as we see people come forward. But the reason why I ask people to come forward and make this public and decide to go after Jesus that way is because Jesus made a public display of his grace on the cross. And it was hard for Christ to take the cross, but yet he did it willingly.